With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Lewis Hart for Boxing Social in association with Empire Fight Store and William Hill. Delighted today to be joined with Dan Hardy ahead of a busy week in Berlin next week um, for the PFL. But other than that, mate, how's it been? How you been coping, mate? Mate, I'm I'm on top of the moon. I'm loving it. I uh, I was in Atlanta for three weeks doing the regular season events over there. We had some wild fights, some amazing finishes, knockouts and stuff. And then, yeah, straight back to work. Landed on the what last Sunday, and then straight back to work on the Berlin card. And and this one again is is just very exciting. I mean, bantamweights and lightweights, two of the best weight classes. We've got a women's flyweight bout. We've got a couple of feature bouts, including Lewis McGrillen. Just a lot to look forward to. And and it's been a long time since I've been to an event in, in uh, Germany as well. You know, the last time I was there was, uh, I can't remember, UFC 2018. And the, the atmosphere was incredible. The fans were were really good. So, yeah, just just excited for a big week, to be honest, and, and looking forward to getting out there. How important would you say the sort of expansion of PFL in general, MMA in Europe? You know, you see it's very big. The UFC have been there sort of many, many years. But since sort of COVID, they've only really gone to London and Paris, but now you see the PFL going to Berlin. So that expansion of MMA, especially the PFL as a brand uh, throughout Europe, where you don't really see many other sort of promotions going around there, must be a good thing as well to see. But for sure, absolutely. What I'm realising, you know, especially since I started this job with the PFL, is that there's, there are too many fighters for the amount of events there are, <laughs> which which honestly I never thought I would say. You know, back in back in my day, it was if you've got 10 fights on a card, you, you're going to be struggling to find 20 fighters to fill it. It's it, it's wild now. I mean, MMA has grown so quickly. You know, you, we've got uh, we've got the four nations coming up next week in uh, in, in Wales. And we've got nearly 200 fighters, amateurs all showing up to compete as well. Like MMA is massive right now. And, and, I, and I say this all the time to people around me. They must be sick of hearing it. It's never going to be smaller than it is right now. It's only ever going to be bigger. It's only ever going to keep growing. Um, the, the PFL need to do more shows in more regions. We need more events for these fighters. You know, we've got good shows, you know, across Europe. You know, Aries is good, Octagon, Hexagon. Um, KSW also has been around for a long while. Cage Warriors have been, you know, a long-serving 
um, you know, event in Europe, but it's still not enough. You know, that there are still desperate fighters that can't get matched enough to stay active. Um, and and right now I feel like I'm at the beginning of something that's very important for Europe. You know, we, we, we've done our first event in Newcastle. We've got Berlin next. And then after Paris and Dublin this year, people will realize that we're in Europe to stay. And then next year, I want to be signing loads of these fighters that are desperate to be competing because there's superstars out there that we're just not seeing because they're stuck in the gym. Um, so, you know, the expansion of PFL is going to help me find some of these people. It's funny you say that because we you said Newcastle there and talk about Berlin and when sort of big promotions come to the UK and stuff like that, it's always usually London or Manchester. And also the underrated sort of aspect is that it's not just London and Manchester. And you see Newcastle, you see other places like that, you see Cardiff and areas like that. So in that way, that's also a big thing there where not only is PFL Europe sort of, um, it's important to ex explore that as a brand and be big as a brand in itself, but also in the UK as well. There's so much good talent that's unseen anywhere else. And I'm sure you'd agree with that. Like, especially sort of in the cage where it's seen and so many other sort of regional promotions where, you know, this there's so much un, uh, like unseen talent it's it honestly it's wild it's never been like this before you know it's it's just an exciting time to be to be a part of mixed martial arts because there, there is there is so much talent there are so many different gyms opening up a lot of the guys from my generation have now moved on and they've opened their own gyms and they're training fighters up you know i'm at events with Ross Pearson in the corner who used to be one of my sparring partners back in the day and you know he's cornering fighters on pfl and you know, then, like I said, next week with the Four Nations, I know there's going to be some of my old opponents there co coaching and cornering. It's it, it's good because, you know, MMA is kind of, it, it's moving along nicely. You know, the, the guys that were fighting around my time are the ones that are passing the lessons on and helping to protect and curate the sport for the younger generations. Um, and, you know, for me, PFL Europe sits right in the middle of all of it. Um, it, it's it's a good stepping stone for the amateurs into pro. I want to sign some amateurs to make their pro debuts on PFL events. Um, but then, you know, they know that if they keep fighting their way through, there's a hundred thousand dollars on the table at the end of their at the end of the year each year for their their weight class. And then, you know, the potential to move over to the world scene and, and fight for the million dollars. It's you know, there's never been clearer paths to the top for everybody in the world. And, and you know, with the expansion with Francis Ngannou heading up. PFL Africa and and the other regions that we're working on, which I, I can't yet announce, but they will be announced very soon. There's going to be there's going to be opportunities around the world for these fighters to step into the big leagues and work their way through. Um, and and that's always been kind of the, you know, that's always been the chaotic part. You know, you you can't find amateur fights most of the time. When you do find amateur fights, you can get a handful. And then you want to turn pro. But if you were good at amateur, you won't get many fights as a pro because people don't want to fight you. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's this it's this really frustrating trap that people get caught in that now I have a, a way around it because I can pick eight of the best in the weight class and they're fighting for $100,000. You know, and that's that's a big deal for, for European fighters, for fighters in Africa, for South America, Australasia, Middle East, all the other areas that we're looking at moving into. These fighters need this platform and I am just, I feel very fortunate to be a part of bringing that process to them. And you mentioned talk about amateurs there. It's an important thing because I know they're two different sports in their own respect and one's more experienced than the other. But for me, having like a boxing background and covering boxing, you think of how sort of exposed, how much exposure there is for the amateurs there. Like before an amateur's even turned over pro, um, 
they've already got a big name. You see the Harringay Box Cup, that was live on the zone. How sort of um, exposed the Olympics is, that's an amateur sport. Um, so when you see things like this, you still think that MMA is getting there, but there's still ways, especially in the amateur scene, where the profiles can be still important, even when you're as an amateur, to be an amateur MMA fighter, that the exposure is still sort of, there's still a way to go in a way when you compare it to boxing. Obviously, boxing has been there for a long time as well. Yeah, there's a long way to go. You know, we we can definitely learn from the amateur scene in boxing. It, it it's done, it's done such a good job of of building that grassroots foundation that then does feed the the champions into the Olympics or into the pro ranks. And yeah, you know, I don't know whether it's because MMA doesn't have that connection with the Olympics. That might be it. It might not. Uh, it might not give kind of a you know a top level of competition for the amateurs. You know, when they're aiming before they turn pro or if they ever want to turn pro, it, it's. It's something we can definitely work on. But, you know, the, the other thing as well is that there's, there's so many different regions around the world that are trying to legitimize themselves as um, as a governing body for MMA. I mean, we've just started the process with England for the English Mixed Martial Arts Association. And, and you know, it's, it's a long process getting recognized by the government and getting all the paperwork in place. And I mean... It's all important stuff for these amateurs to make sure everyone's protected and safe, but it but it is a long, arduous task. And that is part of the thing, I think, that's slowing everything down. Um, I mean, the, the Four Nations tournament that we've got going on, we've got England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales. So that the home nations are going to be coming together and I'm going to be there scouting. So I'm going to look at moving some of those amateurs onto the Dublin card at the end of the year. Um, but, but you're right, you know, an amateur profile does go a long way now. Like... I didn't have any amateur fights. I had, I had, you know, a few no headshot MMA fights, which for me as a striker was not yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was on mats with, you know, one five minute round. It's, it was not the same. But then you look at the amateurs, the IMAFs now. You know, the 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 event that we're going to have uh, next week in Wales, and you're going to see two cages running with with fighters that look like young pros, and it, and it's it's exciting and scary at the same time that they're the next the next pros to to move the sport along. So we need to make sure that we've got opportunities for them to compete. You know, we've just signed Chanel Dyer. She had a really good amateur background as well. We've got um, Biagio Ali Walsh competing over on the on the US circuit. He's still an amateur and uh, is not ready to turn pro yet. You know, so there are opportunities for amateur, amateurs on big shows as well. Um, it's just we, we need that consistency like you have in boxing that, uh, that, that offers really good opportunities. Definitely. Well, we'll touch on the PFL Europe card coming up. We'll sort of touch on the English fighters. We've got Connor Hughes and Lewis McGrillan back out. Um, big opportunities for them. How would you like to see them moved in the future? They're sort of early in their pro careers and there sort of haven't been much tests for them yet. So how do you look at them to sort of side by side and how much would you want to push them sort of in the coming years in a way? You know, I think we're going to learn a lot about them both. Well, this year, but particularly in Berlin, you know, um, Connor's in in the uh, the bracket for the lightweight division. So, you know, if he wins this one, he moves through to the playoffs in Paris and then onto the championship in Dublin if he's successful. You know, he's an undefeated fighter. He, he's he's only had seven fights, but we go back to amateurs. He had a good amateur career. He got he got good experience. He wasn't undefeated. He picked up a you know he, he lost to Adam Cullen, who's a who's a yeah. very very good pro right now. Yeah. But what's nice is he learned that lesson as an amateur. You know he, he can move into into the pro ranks with that lesson in his back pocket, and and it, and it served him well. And I think you know you look at the lightweight division um, th this year for Europe. Connor's got a good chance of uh, of surprising a bunch of people here. I mean, he's got a really tough fight against Dylan Took this weekend coming up. The, the reason why I match that is because I know it's going to be fireworks and and they're both 
they're both very game, very young fighters that could go a long way. Um, and and ultimately, you know, if if he's not successful, then there's going to be time for him to develop next year because he's still young in his career. But I just I, I watch his potential. And I think to myself, if he's given the opportunity, he's going to surprise some people. And and I think I think the same for a good handful of the fighters on this card this weekend, you know. And Lewis McGrillan's a, a a unique case, to be honest. I mean, he's again undefeated. He's a young fighter. He's he's wildly confident, which you know, which I love to see because a big part of success in mixed martial arts is confidence, and it's the way he moves, you know. His confidence in his delivery of his left hand. You watch his fight against Sally Kulikan, and he and he stalked him. He bullied him, and it, it was it was a clean finish. It was beautiful. I'm I'm working on a breakdown video of it today for the show next week. Um, it was just precision. It was really really a clean performance, and he's got a tough test in Berlin coming up. He's fighting Amrali Sadosharov, who's a you know a strong powerful wrestler who's going to stand his ground. He can take a big punch. He's happy to take a big punch to land one of his own. So, you know, I feel like we're going to learn a lot about McGrillan this week. I feel like he's going to be in for a much tougher fight this week. But at the same time, I don't think we've seen a, you know, a, a fraction of his potential yet. And the plan will be hopefully for Lewis McGrillan to be a part of the bantamweight bracket next year when I do, uh, you know, another bantamweight bracket um, in 2024. Um, he's a feature bout this weekend and he most likely will get another run out uh, towards the end of the year, either Paris or Dublin, uh, and then he'll be into the the, the running for a hundred thousand, and that then the challenge for me is finding other bantamweights in in the region that are you know wanting to be in that bracket with him. Definitely. Well, we'll move on slightly. We'll stay on slight topic of PFL news. Frank Warren teased last week about a potential game changing move for Tyson Fury. Um, the common comparison to that would be a, a exhibition about Francis Ngannou. So. Boxing, MMA, you're sort of an MMA head, but combat sports, sort of big combat sports fan in general. How big is this fight, do you think? And if it potentially could materialise, how massive do you feel like this could be? Yeah, I think, I mean, it would be huge. I mean, not only physiologically, they're both giant human beings, but but just to see, you know, two, two world-class heavyweights come together to compete in combat sports. You know, I'll be honest, you know, when I very first started mixed martial arts, it was it was a bit wild west. I mean, you know, the early days with MMA, you know, there were people doing all kinds of wild stuff, especially over in Japan in Pride, where they'd have you know, you know, a, a, a little guy, hundred and sixty pounds, fighting a yeah. sumo wrestler and stuff. And back in those days, I used to look at mixed martial arts and just think, you know, whatever the rules are, whatever the purse on the table, whoever the opponent is, let's go. I'm I'm a trained martial artist. I have skills that are, you know, enable me to fight for money. Let's do it. But then as the sport's grown, we've become very, very separated is boxing and, and MMA and they're two separate entities. And ultimately we're always prize fighters. You know, Tyson Fury is that is one of the, one of the most prize fighter style boxers that I've ever met because of his background, you know, he's, he's a fighting man. You know, you speak to his dad, you speak to his family, that is a part of a part of his culture and his lifestyle from growing up. If you put money on the table and you say Tyson Fury can fight for it, he's not bothered what the rules are. He's not bothered what the opponent is. And that makes it incredibly exciting because, you know, we've got the biggest puncher in the heavyweight division yeah. on the PFL roster. Like, it would be massive. Who who wouldn't watch it? I mean, you know, this, we're talking about Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. But, you know, like, if, if you want an actual standout feature fight, you can't do any better than one of the best heavyweight boxers that's ever lived against one of the best heavyweight MMA fighters that have ever lived. 
it would be a massive draw. And and it, I mean, it would be, I would be sitting ringside or cage side hoping to commentate it. So uh, I'd be very excited myself for sure. Do you feel like though with the public, especially from a boxing point of view, the public could be frustrated with this because there's a lot of people queued up to fight Tyson Fury. There's a lot of people, you know, when you compare it to Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, Floyd sort of was, I know McGregor was the champion in the UFC, um, double, double champion, but when you look at sort of Mayweather on that hit or that standpoint, he'd cleared everyone out that was the fight. Fury hasn't really done that. There's still Usyk, there's still AJ, you know, Hergovic, Sajang, all these guys. So do you feel like there can be some public frustration with this fight from a boxing sense where it's like Fury's fighting sort of an MMA fight, but we still want to see him fight the top head, top level heavyweights uh, in boxing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that, that certainly with boxing purists, there 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 is going to be some frustration. I mean, yeah, Tyson Fury against Usyk or or you know Anthony Joshua, why not? But they, they don't interest me as much as 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 a fight against Tingano. I'll be honest. You know, Usyk's an amazing boxer, an incredible boxer, but I feel like he's going to be undersized, and I don't know what's happened with Anthony Joshua. He's kind of back on 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 his game, but then. After what happened after the Ustick fight, I, I I don't know I don't know as I would be able to I, I don't know as I'd be able to count him in against against Tyson Fury. I think his head would fall apart to be honest. So it just that fight just doesn't interest me. And and it, it kind of similar with Ngannou. Like I had this conversation if he was back on the UFC roster. Like after fighting John Jones, the, there's nobody else I'm really interested in watching him fight. You know the challenge for PFL is finding someone that that would be a challenge for him that people yeah. want to watch. But with 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 Ngannou and Tyson Fury, because it's such an unknown, it's going to generate so much more interest. It's going to generate interest of people that would tune into a Jake Paul fight because they're not boxing purists. They want to see a fist fight between two individuals who, from their perspective, might as well be superheroes. Like they might as well stepped out of a Marvel comic. Yeah. They 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 they're superhuman with 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 their ter- with their skills and their physicality. That's what's most interesting about this. They both can fight. They both want to fight. I'm not really bothered about the rule sets or the rankings around either one of them. What I'm interested in is is how much this fight will draw interest. And to be honest, like I said, I, I love Usyk and I would definitely watch the Anthony Joshua fight, but they don't interest me as much as this one, just from a, a combat sports analyst perspective. And from, from your sort of perspective, you mentioned there, which sort of, goes on to a question I'm going to ask now. You talked about when you first started an MMA and it was a bit of a wild west, it was a bit crazy. But you look now and you look at how much sort of freedom fighters have, leverage that they have. It's, it's, it's special, sort of, it shows how far MMA has come that now the fighters have leverage. And even in boxing as well, there's so much leverage of the fighters that sort of, I think Mayweather for me was sort of one of the first people that started real sort of being their own boss and have his own leverage. So does it show how far it's come from when you was a fighter, when you fought to now where, Fighters are the ones. Fighters are the ones calling shots, not the promoters. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's definitely a, a lot different to when I first started. I mean, you know, back back when back when I signed my contract, it was it was very much a thank you for the opportunity. I'll yeah. take whatever you give me. Uh, and now, you know, the, the the market's still not the market's still not wide open yeah, for these fighters, shall we say? I mean, there there are still very few opportunities and options. But you know what we've seen with Francis Ngannou is he recognised the options outside of where he was and and decides to take that leap. And and honestly, you know, the move that Francis Ngannou's made will be looked back upon as one of the more interesting and and important turning points in combat sports because he, he's he's opened the door to other fighters considering the same thing. Like there is money on the table elsewhere. There's a lot of money on the table elsewhere. Like 
most heavyweights signing with the UFC now know they're nowhere near a $2 million payday, especially not for one fight. Like if you sign with the PFL now, you, you know, in Europe, you've got the opportunity in your first year to make $100,000 on top of your fight purse. Then you've got the opportunity to make a million dollars on top of your fight purse if you go to global. And if you win the championship, you know, you're at a shot of Ngannou. You're looking at $2 million for a single fight as a minimum. Like, and then there are fighters out there around the world that could step into PFL and already be a contender for Ngannou. They're stepping in straight away to a $2 million paycheck. I, I wouldn't have even dreamt of, of purses being close to that back in the day. You know, I, I, w- I was fortunate if I was breaking even in training camps, and that was when I was fighting at, at the O2. <laughs> that, was wow, when, that, that was when I was fighting for world titles. If I broke even and paid my coaches, I was I was on a winner. It, it's, it's a different world right now, and it's exactly how it should be. When you see how much profit's being made by these, these organizations, it needs to be found into the pockets of the fighters. Because as we talked about very early on in, in the conversation, the, the fighters are the ones that are going to retire and become coaches. And we want to make sure they've got money for gyms and for, you know, supporting their young fighters before they get uh, on a lucrative contract as well. Um, things are moving in the right direction and Ngannou's kicked it along in a big way. But we still need some uh, we still need some some champions to step up and, and hold their ground a little bit. And there's a lot of people that talk the talk, but when it comes to actually signing contracts in offices, yeah. they they fold up like a like a deck chair and do as exactly what they're told, and that's not helpful for anybody. Do you feel like there can be negatives with that though? It's more in a boxing sense, where especially when it looks at Saudi, where you look at um, the top, it's more a top heavyweight issue. Where you look at Saudi, you look at the purses that they're sort of drumming up. This could mean that. In the UK, we can't really compete with the money that Saudi's got. So this may mean that people may ask for higher purses and they, they think that their worth is higher than, than how much they are. So do you feel like there is also negative to this, especially when it comes to sort of Saudi Arabia, the money that they put up, that people may sort of think that their value is above what they actually, what actually is? Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, that's a, that's that's the other side of the same coin, really. You know, people like the the, the other issue that, that we have right now, and this wasn't an issue back in the days, is, is people protect their records a lot more now because the, their record, the, the O on their record is far more valuable than it used to be in my day. Like, I mean, I, I, had, I think I had three losses before I hit 10 fights on my record. You know, you just kind of go through it in mixed martial arts and you learn as you go. But, but things have certainly changed and people are really trying to protect their records now. They're trying to fight fighters that are, you know, of lesser competition. And then when they do get up to the top, when they're, you know, 10 and 0, 12 and 0, they think their value is, is, is more because of their record and not necessarily because of what they've done. That's certainly problematic and that's something that we do need to get a handle on. But ultimately, those guys get filtered out anyway. Anyone protecting their record and fighting cans, is they're not going to get very far because they're not going to pick those important lessons up, like running out of gas in your first pro fight and getting choked out, which was my lesson. You know, it's it, it's a it's a part of being a being a martial artist in my mind is you pick up losses and you keep moving on and keep adapting. And and some people don't want to put themselves in a position where they're going to risk picking up a loss, mainly because of the money that's on the table. And you know. If you pick up a loss in boxing, it, you, you know, you might as well start thinking about a career change instead of getting to the top. There are very few fighters that overcome a loss. You know, it, it's like the, the amount of people that were trashing Lomachenko after he lost to Tiafimo Lopez. You're like, you're crazy. You know, he's, he's one of the best boxers that's, that's walking the face of the planet right now. There are certainly a lot of people that overvalue themselves, but there are a lot of companies, there are a lot of organizations that feel that 
the money that, that's being made is theirs and not the fighters. And, and this is another thing that, you know, we need to get a handle on. We need a good middle ground. And, and that's very, very difficult to do. But, I, you know, I, I feel honestly, and this is why I'm with the PFL. I feel like we have got the best plan to bring stability to mixed martial arts around the world. You know, we've got uh, ethics in place to make sure these fighters are looked after. And, and you know, we've got every single stage of the game from amateur all the way to pay-per-view now. I'm hoping that that we'll set a precedent in the sport of mixed martial arts that the other organisations have to set themselves against and, and, you know, hopefully bring some benefit to MMA. Definitely. Dan, it's always a pleasure to be talking to you. Um, it's always a pleasure to interview you. Just before we sort of close this off, I know you, you've got some good stuff on your YouTube channel and good stuff across your socials. So if you want to give it a little plug, you can now. Yeah, you can always find me at Dan Hardy MMA or Full Reptile. If you if you search Full Reptile on YouTube, you'll find our YouTube channel. We've got podcasts and breakdown shows and a whole bunch more stuff on, on the channel. So uh, make sure you check it out. I appreciate it. That's right. No worries. I'll definitely be linking that in the description. Um, Dan, always say thank you for your time. It's always a... Always a pleasure to be talking to you and uh, have a good time in Berlin, mate. Nice one, mate. Enjoy the fights. I'll speak to you again. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.